want to welcome you to our study of Matthew chapter 19, first day of our look through this chapter, 21st week of our study of Matthew, looking at this wonderful chapter of teaching from Jesus this week. As we start this chapter, we're going to hear what Jesus has to say, his teaching about divorce. As we hear these words of Jesus, I know very well that some of you have been hurt by divorce in your life, in your family. I know that others, as you hear this, you're on the edge of a divorce. You're considering whether you should leave your husband, leave your wife. And as I lead you in a study through what Jesus taught here, I realize that in one sense, Jesus is talking to both, two very different needs. And uh, in listening to the words of Jesus, I know that he would not want to heap on more false guilt in your life. He'd want you to take a look at the reality of what happened. But I also know that he would not want to hurt in any way those who are fighting for their marriages. If you've been through a divorce, you might have questions like, was it a sin? You you need to know. Can I be forgiven? I want to know. If you're considering a divorce, you need to know, is it right or is it wrong? What does Jesus have to teach about it? Well, Jesus has something to say about all of this. And I can't sort out who needs to hear what because of family background, because of what you've been through. But I know that Jesus can. That's the great thing about teaching the words of Jesus is he's the one who sorts it out in our hearts and helps us to hear what he has to say. So in light of that, let me read what Jesus taught about divorce, beginning in verse 1 and down through verse 9, chapter 19. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went to the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that from the beginning the Creator made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. Now, as Jesus talks to the Pharisees about this, it's important to understand that there were two views of divorce in Jesus' day from two schools. In one sense, they're coming to trap him. They're not asking about divorce. They just want to trap him. Whatever he said, there would be disagreement from one of these schools. There's the Hillel school, which said you could divorce for any reason of displeasing the other person. Now, in that day, it was always the husband who divorced the wife. Women were not given the right to divorce in that day. So for any reason, the husband could just say, the food didn't have enough salt on it. That's literally one of the examples that was given. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, and the divorce would be over. Then there was the Shammai school, which said you could divorce only for sexual immorality. And they come and they start to talk to Jesus about this. And their question is, when is it lawful to divorce? And Jesus' answer is, you're asking the wrong question. He says, have you not read? He is saying to those who are supposed to be scholars, let's go back to kindergarten. Let's look at what God's word says. Let's look at the Bible. First scroll, first page. Look at what God says. This is God's plan he's teaching them that we're talking about, not just a legal requirement. Well, they have a question about that because Jesus says, God says that Moses permitted divorce, but that was only because you had a hard heart. So they have a question about that. Why did God permit divorce? And Jesus says it's because of the hardness of people's hearts. When Jesus talks about the permission that was given here, 
He's in essence saying, God gave you an inch and you took the whole yardstick. God gave you an emergency escape hatch and you've turned it into an easy exit. And it wasn't that way from the beginning, Jesus said. From the beginning, Adam and Eve, God had created the male and female and he meant for them to be married for life. So what does God think of divorce? Well, we know in the book of Malachi, the Bible says God hates divorce. Why does God hate divorce? Because it hurts his children. God hates anything that hurts his children. God never commands a divorce. He never commends a divorce. Does he ever allow a divorce in his word? Well, yes. Here in Moses, we're told that a divorce was allowed in some cases because of the hardness of heart. But what about under Jesus? Jesus teaches us about it, and he says a divorce is allowed when someone commits adultery in the case of sexual immorality. He doesn't say it's required. He says it's allowed in the case of committing adultery, sexual immorality. Now, as we walk through this, obviously talking about divorce like this, we could write a whole book on it. We're spending just a few minutes. But I'm praying that God speaks to your heart in these few minutes, as Jesus only can. There are four Christian views of what Jesus is talking about here, of divorce. Some people believe in no divorce and no remarriage. Never get a divorce, and obviously then because of that, even if uh, somebody divorces you, you can't help it. You can't have a remarriage. It's very hard to justify that scripturally, but there are some people who believe that. Some people believe in divorce, but no remarriage, that a Christian can get divorced, but Jesus said, you can't get married again. If you do, you're committing adultery. Some people believe in divorce and remarriage if the divorce was for adultery or desertion, and others believe in divorce and remarriage under a variety of circumstances. And that can even get to uh, the Hillel school sometimes where those circumstances are uh, very, very small things. What does Jesus teach? Not what are our views, but what does Jesus teach? That's the question here. When you look at what Jesus teaches about this, and you think about your life and the relationship that you're struggling with, or you know somebody who's struggling with, you have to take the words of Jesus and place them into your life and live those words. You don't live the words of some friend who says to you, oh, it's okay. You know, I did it, she did it, he did it, it's okay. You live the words of Jesus. And if Jesus says to you, I can't remarry after a divorce, and you know it's not your guilt speaking, you know it's not uh, some other Christian who's spoken to you, you know it's what Jesus is saying to you. You better listen to what Jesus is saying. Even if you believe for other Christians they could remarry, After there was a divorce that happened, somebody imposed upon them, the divorce that happened because of abandonment or adultery. For you, it may not be right. That's why when we talk about this issue, you have to get to what Jesus is saying to you. As I read questions people asked about this even this week, many of the questions were, what does the church believe about? And the truth is, it doesn't matter what the church believes. It matters what the Bible says, what Jesus says. And what matters is how you're going to live that out in your life. Some of you have already been through a divorce. And one of your questions is, will God forgive a divorce that I know was a sin? Of course. Of course. God is a forgiving God. There is no God like you. You forgive those who are guilty of sin. You don't look at the sins of your people who are left alive. You will not stay angry forever because you enjoy being kind. You will have mercy on us again and you will conquer our sins. You will throw away all our sins in the deepest part of the sea. That's in Micah 7, 18 to 19. You may realize as I'm talking about this, it may be bringing up a painful memory that you have sinned. You sinned against your husband. You sinned against your wife through that divorce. 
Don't hide from it. Don't deny it. Confess it. God will forgive. Let go of that guilt. You may realize that someone sinned against you in a divorce. Forgive them or sinned against one of your children in a divorce. Maybe the hardest. You forgive them. You have to let go of that bitterness. We talked about that last week, the importance of that. Some people say, well, well, if God forgives, then can I get a divorce and then ask God to forgive me of my sin? I might even know it's wrong, but boy, I'm in a lot of pain. Can I get a divorce and then know God's going to forgive me? That assumes that the sin is going to be less painful than the marriage that you're in. And if you take a close look at God's word, you see you're kidding yourself. You're not escaping your pain when you do that. You're choosing your pain, short-term pain or long-term pain. Sin can bring instant gratification, no doubt about it. Sometimes when you say, I'm going to be free of this marriage, you feel the most joy you felt for years because you're out from under the pain. Of course you feel that way. But obedience, it might bring pain for the moment, but it can bring long-term gratification. You only have to talk to a few people who've been through a divorce to hear if there's any way that that marriage can be saved. You save that marriage. Save that marriage. A believer in Christ may have to divorce. The person may abandon you. But a believer in Christ should never seek a divorce. Now, the disciples at the end of this teaching, because they're so used to the Hillel school that you can divorce for almost any reason, they say, well, we should just not get married then. If you can't divorce easily, you might get trapped in a relationship. Why would you even get married? Many people today even think that. And then Jesus has this strange discussion with them at the end of this. In verse 10, listen to what happens. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it's been given. For some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men, and some have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. The disciples are saying that divorce was so common in their culture, the thought of marrying without divorce being permitted was outside of their thinking. Well, Jesus talks about them saying it's better not to marry, and he talks about eunuchs. He talks about men without sex organs. That's what a eunuch is. And he says some people are born that way. Others have been made that way. It was a common thing to do that with a, a eunuch, a servant of a, in a king's household to make sure that they didn't rape or become sexually involved with anybody else in the household. And some, he says, have done this by choice. But he says, this is very difficult. Don't say this, he says, that you may not want to marry because very few can accept it. The Apostle Paul reflects the same things when he says, some have been called to singleness, but not very many of you have been called to this. So Jesus points us back in these strange words at the end, he points us back to the value of marriage, which is what we're going to talk about tomorrow, how valuable marriage can be. But as we end today, what about those of you who might be considering a divorce or you know someone who is? What, what do you do? You've tried everything. The only thing that's going to work is focus on God. I know that. The only thing that will work is focus on God. It's that old picture of a triangle. You and your husband or wife are at the bottom of the triangle and at the top of the triangle is God. And as you go up the triangle, the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. You're never going to get to each other at the bottom of the triangle on a human plane. There's too much in the way. There's too much history. But as you get closer to God, you will get closer to each other. In fact, that's the only way to find true intimacy in a marriage. Now, they may or may not choose to get closer to God. That's their choice. But you can choose to get closer to God. And whatever they end up choosing in the end, that's going to be the right choice for you. So let's pray for that right now. That's the one thing we know we can do today. Lord, whatever pain we're going through, whatever pain someone we love is going through, 
we pray for ourselves, we pray for them, that they'd get closer to you, even through this pain. Of course, we want the marriage to be saved. And that's what we ask for. But we know, Lord, that we cannot force another person to make a choice. They may make a choice that you disagree with, we disagree with. They may make a choice that comes out of their selfishness and sin. But we don't have to make that choice. Lord, we can choose to get closer to you day by day. And whether they change or not, we're deciding right now. We're praying for our friends. We're praying for our kids that they'll make that choice to get closer to you. And as that choice is made, Lord, I pray there'd be the invitation in that choice, the grace in that choice, to begin to bring a new grace into this marriage that's hurting and to save it. I pray for those who have been through a divorce, Lord, that you bring the healing of your forgiveness. God, thank you that you're a forgiving God, that you don't look to the past, but you cause us to be able to look to the future. And Lord, when the pain comes, when the hurt comes, you're there with us, walking through it with us. Lord, thank you. Jesus, thank you for teaching us honestly about marriage and divorce, telling us the truth. Help us to live your truth, to embrace your truth. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.